This is the fear of science. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Fear of Science, the podcast that explores and discovers a variety of science and science adjacent topics, along with a wonderful selection of special guests. Uh, My name is Daniel Chai. And I'm Jeff Porter. And as always, we are recording live from the beautiful Vancouver Public Library in downtown Vancouver with episode 35. Episode 35. 35, yeah. Well, we're very excited for for this uh, podcast. It's a big one. It is a big one. Pun intended. Um, And uh, joining us today, we are going to be talking about the fear of... Weight. Yeah, so we're going to be talking uh, food nutrition um, uh, and just body uh, body awareness, body uh, acceptance. Yeah, yeah, it should be an interesting episode. Um, this is something that's very triggering and difficult for me to talk about. So I've kind of been freaked out a little bit about this episode too. So, uh, but yeah, uh, who do we have in the studio with us? Hi, my name is Neil Melrose. I guess my only real claim to fame is that I'm a semi-professional comedian. If you're looking for a funny fat guy to add some color commentary, I guess that's as qualifies me. Other than that, I'm a bit of a nerd. I work in IT and uh, do call center work. Uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to do- seeing what people have to say about this and adding my own two cents, I guess. <laughs> thank you. Thank you yeah. for joining us. And uh, just, just for our listeners, I believe that this is your second ever podcast. That's right. <laughs> First one was about food, so I think I found my niche. Yeah. <laughs> and also joining us in studio. Awesome. Hi, uh, my name is Crystal. I'm a registered dietitian from here from Vancouver. And I own my own business at NutriFoodi. And I work with clients uh, mainly to help them develop a healthy relationship and positive, more positive relationship with food and their body. Bridging the gap between like physical and mental health. Wonderful. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And this is your first podcast experience? Yes. Wow. <laughs> Sounds like we have a live studio audience in yeah. here. <laughs> uh, we're, that's what I love about Fair Science. We get a chance to talk about uh, important subjects with, uh, with people from various backgrounds and uh, also give a chance to uh, spread the love and joy of podcasting, which we also enjoy doing here as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for every episode, we start with the same question. Um, so... Why do we think people are afraid of weight, uh, either gaining or losing weight? Losing, eh? Yeah. I are didn't people want... afraid of it? I guess some people might be if they're like really anorexic or something. Yeah, there's this yeah. uh, eating disorders for sure. Yeah. I didn't want to... Uh, I didn't want to assume that we're going to be talking about gaining weight because losing weight is also a fear. Well, let's face it. That's definitely the more pro- more prominent problem. Is yeah. gaining it? Gaining it, I would In imagine. In my yeah. mind, it definitely yeah. is. But How many people do you actually know that have a problem l- gaining weight? Oh, there's a lot. Oh, is there yeah. really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I guess I'm not an expert. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm sure it happens, but I don't know too many of them. Yeah, yeah. it's it's actually more with um, yeah. men than it is with women really? that I that I hear a lot about. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, my friends bully me for being so thin, and I need to gain weight, mm-hmm. and that's usually like a really big. It's also like the the thing is we put so much. Um, I think it's more of the fear of not being accepted and loved more than the fear of weight. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I think that w- when you think about it that way you notice Mm. that it could be associated with any type of body or size Mm. of any size um that it's just you don't want to be bullied or judged for your size and for your weight because you want to be loved and accepted Mm. and validated so i yeah so i think that that's a really big topic for sure i'll admit though like if i could pick one non-supernatural superpower the ability to eat whatever I want and still be thin would be right at the top of the list. Yeah. Like, uh, you can tell I'm a pretty big guy. I think I'm the kind of guy who can, like, gain weight by osmosis when I look at food. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's definitely physiological things involved as well. Like, I'm not making excuses, but nevertheless. Yes. Yeah, I know a few people that can literally eat, like, a sumo on vacation and mm-hmm. never gain a pound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. it's just not, I think, a more common issue. Let's face it, obesity, obesity is, like, considered an epidemic now. Mm-hmm. Like it's like what seventy percent of the population in North America, it's almost like a good problem to have. But nevertheless, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I think it's also I think it's very important to yeah. uh, to definitely recognize that it's not just uh, yeah. a one 
sided mm-hmm. issue. I think mm-hmm. there's so many different facets, and I'm sure that that's what you do with your work with NutraFoodie. Yes. Um, and you also mm-hmm. teach yes. di- diet. Uh, nutrition and nutri- food service, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at Langara College. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, so in, in your experience with, and with your expertise, um, you know, but before I ask this question, out of curiosity, how does one get inspired to become a nutritionist, a dietitian? Yeah. What inspired you to get into the work? Yeah, you know, it's actually a joke. I personally had struggled with my weight and my body for so many years. And one day I said to my mom, I was I used to get really good marks in science <laughs> and in chemistry and biology. So um, I was thinking of being a chemistry professor. Fun fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was um, crying in my second year to my mom being like, I hate organic chem. I do not mm-hmm. want to do this. And I joked to my mom saying, I've done enough diets that I should probably be a dietitian. And she was like that's a great idea (laughs) and so I looked into it but I um so that was kind of like what got me started looking into it but I did over 30 informational interviews with different dietitians and professionals to yeah to learn more about the profession and to learn more about everybody's journey and um like what does this really entail and the things that really ended up sticking for me is that I wanted to be involved with something with science I wanted something in business I wanted counseling I wanted to work with people I wanted something with food and really dietetics brought all of that together it's a very multifaceted and diverse and dynamic profession where you're learning every single day of your life and there's always something new to learn which can also be overwhelming Um, but to be a dietitian and to be a registered dietitian here in Vancouver it's the only it's a very it's a protected and regulated title Um, so you can't just call yourself a dietitian um, but you can call yourself a nutritionist without having any formal training a lot of People might do that. No, yeah. <laughs> um, so a lot of people might just read a book or get some small training and call themselves a nutritionist, and others do get some education. Um, but uh, to be a dietitian, you have to. Um, in BC, you can only do the program at UBC, um, and uh, there's only 30-something-odd students that get accepted every year, um, and you go through another three years of schooling. One of those is 10 months of an internship involving um, working in a hospital and in research and community and food service management. So it's a pretty... Um, hefty kind of road to get there. It takes right. at least five years. It took me seven, but it takes at least seven five years. years. Yeah, yeah, seven years of schooling. Lots Can't of student eat. loans. No, just you know, no, no. <laughs> um, Bravo. Thank you. Yeah. Now, yeah. Oh, I was going to ask. So, a dietitian, um, that <laughs> this might be ignorance, but because I know diet is kind of you know a swear word in <laughs> in nutrition now right so a dietitian is not teaching you how to diet right no no i know it's like a big thing about our name or a professional name at least but um yeah, like I call myself a non-diet dietitian because I don't teach people how to diet. I teach people how to find something that works for them and for their body. And it's it's absolutely different for every person. So it's a, it's, it is definitely an assumption that I get all the time. Sometimes I'll see someone very, like every few years, I'll always have people that will meet me and out of nowhere they'll be like, oh, I have a, these few pounds to lose or I probably shouldn't eat this, right? And I'm like, oh my God, it's not just about that. Like, yeah. let me eat that on your behalf, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I'm curious. So, like, so dietitian is that like strictly for a health thing, or like to get to a proper weight? It sounds more like it would be something regarding like the proper nutrition kind of thing. Yes. Does that sound right? Yeah. So it depends on. Um, I mean, it, I want to say yes in mm. in general, but I'm, I'm not sure. I'm just yeah. yeah. So as a dietitian, we work with a lot of different populations and a lot of different mm-hmm. areas. You could be working in the hospital, and then you'll work will be a lot more clinical. So you calculate a lot more, and you work with tube feeds and and formulas and things like that. Um, with a lot of uh, chronic diseases, and you're generally helping people get better enough to be able to leave the hospital. Yeah, um, okay. in community and public health, you are generally preventative or you're helping people with something that is consistent and um, that a chronic or a prevalent issue like that in their life and you help them manage that on their day-to-day. In uh, food service management, you are auditing menus and you're, um, you know, working on these diets to be sufficient for a group of people. So you're looking at kind of like a bigger picture. You're not kind of like just minuscule kind of management. But you also work with budgets and financial stuff and 
human resources. And in my case, I work in private practice, which means I also work with clients. I work with one-on-one and group coaching clients. So um, it's uh, different, just depends on the environments that you're working in uh, as to how much your scope will vary. Hmm. Thank you. Thank you very much for sharing. Now, uh, I wanted to uh, uh, tie it back into our overarching topic, uh, as it were, the, the fear of fear of weight. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, as much as we are, are able to share with our listeners, our wonderful Fear of Science listeners, uh, for the four of us, um, what, is, uh, uh, what is our relationship to our own weight? Like, uh, this is a very personal, uh, this, this is a very loaded personal question, um, and uh, uh, I will start so, uh, so that everyone can feel, <laughs> can have time to think about it. Um, but, you know, when, when this topic came up, and, I'm, and we're in the planning stages for this, it definitely, uh, my relationship to my own weight is definitely um, uh, not, uh, I definitely have thoughts about, oh, I got to lose weight, I need to eat better. Um, you know, I, I uh, look myself in the mirror. If I have an audition, I need to, you know, I think I'm like, oh, I, you know, um, my, my own personal view of my own weight is not that great. Um, yeah. Yeah, my relationship with weight. Um, so I've always been overweight since I was a kid, pretty much. And I got bullied for it a lot um, in high school and elementary school. So I've, I have a lot of uh, just mental uh, association to weight. Um, I enjoy food a lot. Um, and I eat when I'm stressed. I eat when I'm emotional. Even I eat when I'm happy. So I eat when uh, I'm bored. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I eat happy. a lot no. while I'm bored. Yeah, yeah. and I yeah. love I love yeah. food. That's I the eat one as a thing. reward. As a reward. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I I think a lot of it too was was growing up and being bullied about being overweight. Um, I think food is the one thing that doesn't judge me. I get to eat it, and and I get to enjoy that. Um, right now I'm actually going. I'm trying to lose weight. I'm trying to go to the gym. Um, and the thing I'm struggling with, which I've always struggled with every time I've tried to, you know, diet or lose weight is the mental part of it. Um, so I'm trying to take a very healthy approach to losing weight, but stay mentally positive about it. I actually um, found one of the podcasts that you recommended on your blog, um, Food Psych. I've been listening to it while working out. Oh, that's um, awesome. And it's it's a lot of like really positive things about people who are larger and how it's important just to eat healthy and not crash diet, not not push yourself too hard because we all want to do it quickly we all want to you know i wish i could take a pill and then lose 100 pounds in a week but that's just not realistic and you have to keep your mind uh healthy enough to go through the entire process but yeah Mm -hmm. that's me (laughs) i have a pretty different story than that yeah i've been pretty big most of my life since i was a kid of course but honestly i didn't get picked on or bullied much i think Mm -hmm. uh, I'm I'm big enough, like I'm six three and like four hundred pounds now. I think I kind of transcend at the point. Like I think some people may look at me as like a physical intimidation kind of fact. Like you're a big guy too. Yeah. But I'll admit the amount of times I've been maliciously picked on for being fat, I could probably count on one hand. Mm. I'm also a pretty diplomatic guy. I've always been pretty funny. Uh, try to take the golden rule. So I don't know. Uh, for but I've been lucky in that regard. I guess I haven't really had a problem with that. Uh, I'm a, I'm a very big guy though. I've actually lost a decent amount of weight. I had a sleeve gastrectomy mm. about a couple of years ago. It's a what, what surgery. Is that? It's a s- surgery that actually reduces the size of your stomach mm. and uh, like to like 80, like a, like about a fifth of what it was before. Is it, is yeah. the reducing of the stomach it's or not, the, it's and... not the bypass. It's, oh. it like turns it into a bit of a, like a sleeve. That's why it's called a sleeve gastrectomy. Like it cuts part of it off and then like turns into a, a, a more narrow tube. All right, uh, this yeah. is the part where yeah. uh, I wish Fair Science uh, yeah. had visuals. So we yeah. Can, uh, well, basically, yeah, you just you cut off a bunch of the stomach and then take the rest and turn it into a uh, more narrow tube, oh, so you okay. can't eat nearly as much at a time. Like I can eat more than I could at first. Like I was at like five fifty at one point. Now I've gotten below four, which is nice. Um, I've had some like backslides here and there. But it's not a silver bullet by any yeah, stretch. Yeah. 
and I'm still working on it. Like I'm, I'm losing weight again, but like I had kind of a backslide, like I said, but, uh, I guess, uh, my relationship with food is kind of like, uh, unrequited love, I guess. Right. I definitely like it. I, there's definitely physiological reasons why I'm fat, but there's also psychological ones. I'm certain. I don't think you get to be as big as me without there being something kind of wonky in your brain there. Yeah. Right. Unfortunately it's the case, but yeah, like, um, my desire to lose weight has always been more practicality. Like it got to a point where I literally was at the topping, the top of the big and tall stores. Right. And like, I couldn't fit into cars very well. And even now I still have some issue with things like that, but like, uh, arms with chairs on them or booths and restaurants. It was, it wasn't even about like about the way it looked. It was more about actual practicality. Plus just walking a few blocks, I'd, I'd get winded. Yeah. And I'm much better at that now, and I still have a ways to go. But bravo! Yeah. Well, bra- bravo yeah. on yeah. making those you steps. Have to celebrate yeah. that too. I've actually, yeah. Yeah. I actually had very similar issues, which was mm. one of the precursors to why I wanted to to lose weight. Mm. Um, is that I went to go see my my family <laughs> in Calgary, and we were on the plane, and uh, I barely fit in the seat. Yeah. And then I had to get the the, the extender, belt extender of the belt. I don't mind that so much. Like so be it. But like. Just being able to fit in the seat is nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was no room, and it yeah. was a tight plane. Yeah. Um, and then also, uh, like you said, was was being able to buy clothes. Yeah. I was at a Levi's store the other day to go buy jeans. I tried on their largest size they had there, and it didn't even come close to fitting. I, th- yeah. I think that's more of a problem on those brands and on those planes than it is just about you, because yeah. then they are telling you that we are not accepting of uh, people of diverse bodies and then therefore you are unable and not allowed to do these activities if you are um, not going to fit into our mold that we are providing you. So it's kind of like I think it goes both ways and I think it's more of a systemic and societal kind of problem Um, and we often take it on an individual level and so when we are talking about then losing weight to do those things um, we are also we like it would be more healthy and sustainable for us to think on the behavior, not just think of the number or just the look of it, because then we uh, can't just promise ourselves to get to a certain number when we want to sustain life and activities and qu- and increase your quality of life. Yeah. If you have to take so much away from your life to be able to just live your day to day, it's it makes your weight unsustainable. And that's why we continue to have a problem, quote unquote, is because like since if you were to like really think back to the days where they started the obsession with losing weight and dieting it started I think in like the 1950s um or in that around that time and in mid um yeah like around 1950s um I think that's also where the BMI became more prevalent but then the BMI was published was created by a mathematician and statistician 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 Uh, Those two always ruin everything for me. Yes, and so he um, basically created like this formula that was meant to kind of assess that on a population level. It was never meant to be used on an individual level, and we use it, and it was not developed for that. And the reason why, like all it's measuring is your mass, your body mass on Earth, um, and its relation to gravity on this planet. Oh, really? Like, that's what weight is. And then it's dividing it by your height squared. So um, so it's really, like, not specifically measuring health. I just remember health. that stupid thing that you had to do in, in gym class where you sat down, you had to push the, the thing, and then they told you whether you were flexible or not, and then gave you a number that made you feel like crap. Yeah, yeah. see, focus on numbers is a problem, I think. Yeah. So, so that does lead into the, sec- the next question, which is, uh, so is, does being fat mean that you are unhealthy? No. There's actually not like our research doesn't correlate like the, I think it like actually like let me answer this fully. So I think when you're looking at research and where there's two problems, one is everybody who's doing research is also has their own biases first. Right. Mm-hmm. So research is not necessarily entirely objective. So we want to look at things that are more like um, we're looking at the summaries of things or like the you're looking at things that have been done over time and also, you know, want to get all those kind of evidence. Um, But when you're looking at research regarding weight itself, 
they don't take a lot of stuff into consideration, including mental health and eating disorders. So if you're just assessing um, weight itself um, and we are saying like weight loss has these benefits, it may be correlated to some benefits, but it is not like it's correlation, not causation. So it's not that the weight itself caused this. It is behaviors that changed in the whole process that may have caused certain things. But if in that process of someone going on weight loss diets, it, it's, it's affecting their mental health and it's making it more negative and unhealthy overall, the cortisol levels are going to increase and that messes a lot in your body, including your gut health and, and, and because of the connection between your brain and your gut. So really, like when we're looking at, that's why I say like I'm bridging the gap between physical health and mental health because we take that for granted and we're treating food and weight as though it's, we're living in isolation, but we're not. We're living in community and society. We want to go out. We want to vacation. We want to spend time with family and friends and we don't need to avoid those I wanna meals. want to go to the buffet. Yeah, yeah. go to the buffet <laughs> and enjoy uh, the food. Yeah. Uh, totally random. Uh, listeners, if you are listening to Fear of Science from... Uh, uh, around Canada, not here in Vancouver. But if you do find yourself in Vancouver, um, go and check out Uncle Willie's near in Burnaby <laughs> at Metrotown. Did we get a sponsor? <laughs> no, but uh, <laughs> and then afterwards, tweet us your review. Uh, I love Uncle Willie's, but it's very dangerous to go for many reasons. Mm-hmm. But I love Uncle Willie. Please sponsor us. All right. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, the mental health is something that every time that I've um, dieted or tried to lose weight in the past, is it's just never part of it. No one talks about that yeah. part of it. Um, and when you're talking about numbers, I every time that I've, I've tried to lose weight in the past, I get so fixated on those numbers. Like, I want to get down to a 38 pant. I want to, you know, lose like 100 pounds. I want to... Um, even the, and I'm sure it works for some people, but the, the, uh, my fitness pal, um, with the tracking all of your calories, I, I think I have too much of an analytical yeah. brain because I work in web design. I work, I do a lot of analytics and things like that. I, I get so focused on those numbers. So this time around, I'm not tracking anything. I'm not tracking right. anything at all. I'm, I'm tracking my, my workouts mm-hmm. on an app. Um, to like store the information but I don't have any of those kind of goals I'm just I'm trying to change my routine I love that I think that that's exactly what would be in like what is entailed in in making creating healthy behaviors is finding that motivation to I mean there's a lot of reasons why someone might not have motivation it's not all about willpower quote unquote Mm -hmm. I think the it's it's problematic when a lot of um trainers and other people might be promoting that it's just about willpower when there's a lot that is attached to that like it's pretty it's pretty heavy like willpower is not just like this magical thing that you either have or don't have um but having that motivation has to be internal like internalized not externalized um in order for it to be something that you're able to continue up with and if it comes from a more positive place that is correlated with better health so if we're eating for health it's very different than eating for a specific weight right um so yeah so like when you're thinking of that it's if someone just comes to me and says i just want to be healthy that's a very different conversation um because your weight can stay the same your weight can change and go lower or it can change and go up but if you are at a place where you're having to work so hard at keeping that weight that's what makes it unsustainable because you're working so hard it's not sustainable to keep up with those behaviors right yeah so it's a weight is just an outcome really yeah Yeah, i had a bit of a a comment and a question i was sort of okay so this may be unpopular opinion but it seems like like i'm not an expert but we we can't deny that obesity has health issues involved with it like it definitely is linked to like cancer and heart disease and 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 other health problems mm-hmm. like we can't deny that and i believe that we should accept people for who they are and not like as a big guy not belittle me or anything like that but like i said i don't get a lot of problems with that but we should also accept the fact that weight loss is a good thing and we can't just like be like if you're 200 pounds overweight you should lose weight 
we can accept that, right? But that's relating yeah. to the BMI. So yeah. Because obesity and overweight yeah. specifically are numbers relating uh-huh. to the BMI. So when you're talking about, um, you're using the idea, like the idea of using the BMI correlation mm. to it to health. Uh-huh. Um, it's not necessarily like it's not necessarily that if somebody's in a bigger body that they're gonna be unhealthy. So that doesn't actually mm-hmm. is not equal. So they're not the same thing. So if you are just really? in an over, yeah, they're not like two hundred pounds though. Like, like I think but you don't point. know someone's yeah. behavior. So if that yeah. somebody, so it's not the weight specifically that yeah. determines that. But if we do know that, uh, for example, there's other measurements that we want to look at. Mm. So the other measurements would be like your blood pressure and your heart yeah. rate and your movement and your activity and your blood sugars and your insulin resistance and your sleep and your self care and your mental health. And if you don't have a roof over your head and mm. you're struggling financially and you have a family to feed and you have all that kind of stress in your life like eating less <laughs> and looking in a different way is not going to solve all your problems so it's yeah, just yeah. like yeah so the social determinants of health and mm-hmm. that's one area right and the second area then would be to look at the different areas of wellness because food and exercise are only one out of seven areas mm-hmm. I also actually get a bit of a question there that you might be able to answer. Uh, this is all conjectural, I guess. Okay, so it, it does seem like obesity over the last maybe 30 or 40 years has become that much more of an issue. Like, it seems like there's a lot more bigger people now. That what I've heard like 60 to 70% now. So what do you think are the reasons why it's become such a thing? Is it processed food or mentality, the fact that we're all way more sedentary? Because like, let's face it, in the 50s and 60s, you didn't see people my size. Mm-hmm. And I don't see a lot of them, like, I don't have a lot of friends who are really big. Like, do they all, like, hang out at home or something like that? But <laughs> nevertheless, I just, I'm curious why, why you think that it's become such a more prevalent issue in the last few decades. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I mean, I do have to say I don't yeah. use the word obesity to describe yeah. people overall, mainly because it yeah. is... Um, on a the wrong scale. I am obese, so I can use it. It's like my N word. Well, no, yeah. I'm just kidding. No, no, no. <laughs> but I mean, kidding. I do use the yeah. word fat in yeah. a non-discriminatory, yeah. non-derogatory term. Yeah. Like it's not something that to describe people in a negative way. So even fat people in any size or shape or form, um, they can be healthy by pursuing these behavior, like the healthy behaviors, the things that mm-hmm. will determine your health. On the other hand, the reason why you're saying from the 50s and 60s is because around that time, the um, like the the problematic views against bodies started sh- shaping up. And actually around that time also, there was a lot of research around sugar from mm. that was against processed sugar or like simple sugars. And then there was a Harvard professor, this is scandalous, but there's, there's a Harvard professor in nutrition that got paid to create research about fat being bad. And oh, so, really? yeah. I know, like objectively, there's more fat people now. But that's, why do you think that is? But that's what, what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm trying. Yeah. yeah. So then it actually started yeah. at that time when people started dieting. So then yeah. they started eating. So dieting that caused were, fatness. Yes, exactly. Holy so that's what I was trying I to explain. Almost swear. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Damn so then it! At how that deep? Time, Can how I say damn it? I say damn it. Yeah. How deep does does this rabbit hole go? Yeah. It doesn't even surprise me. It's it's around that time that it really skyrocketed. And so it didn't get any better after that. And mainly because like stigma then continued to be assessed with the with to be associated with it. And when we have weight stigma and that fear of weight gain, then we continue to fight it. We continue to try and to do unsustainable behaviors. And these things just continue to go in a cycle. So unfortunately, Mm -hmm. it's just perpetuated in the media, too. Yeah. Hmm. You think there's something with like the way we eat now, too? I think there's a bunch of chemicals and stuff in food. It wouldn't surprise me one bit. I bet they put things to make it more addictive and things like that, too. Well, yeah. hello, taste. Yeah, yeah. yeah taste yeah. is so important. I, I mean, I yeah. eat all kinds of foods yeah. and I'm very healthy. Yeah. Um, but so are a lot of people that are thin too. So it's not just about food, but um, there are a lot of uh, there's a lot more processed foods. And yeah. I do, I mean, processed foods can be just eating a piece of bread, and it could be eating pop tarts, or it could be eating a homemade pizza that it requires flour that has been processed, or um, eating a, f- a frozen pizza that has 3,000 times more sodium, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know? 
so like there's a lot of different areas of processing and so when I talk about food and healthy eating I talk more about you know balanced meals variety and balanced meals as in like let's make sure you're full like let's make mm-hmm. sure you're eating feeling full getting fiber getting protein having good bowel movements good mm-hmm. hydration um, fiber fiber <laughs> yes very important and eating fat too so that you're satiated and um, yes and you're able to absorb the nutrients that are fat soluble so there's a lot of different things to look at when it comes to food rather than just processed or not processed mm-hmm. now for our fear of science uh, panelists today um, how how much do we feel um, this is strictly just to uh, uh, see see where the four of us are at because um, I'm sure that there are actual doctorate papers about this stuff but how much of weight is say my responsibility versus mm-hmm. say uh you know fast food companies you know uh with the with ads everywhere with with mm. food products you know uh putting in more sugar more more cholesterol um putting in more taste uh for for these things um is there a corporate responsibility or is it me as the consumer and and the person who needs to is ultimately responsible or uh, as responsible as i can for my body who's responsible who do i write a letter to (laughs) i gotta admit i have a certain amount of ambivalence regarding this like i'm a pretty libertarian guy i believe that we should be free to do what we want i don't think we should be like legislating health (laughs) On the other hand, like, if you're putting a whole bunch of stuff in food to make it more addictive, that's kind of an underhanded thing to do. And I really do think that there is something regarding the way food is done. Like, it, it, it seems weird to me that in, until not that long ago, people didn't really care about, like, fat and sugar. Just recently, I really think there's something going on with additives and things like that in food. Wouldn't it be Ooh, weird if this? Bit. Wouldn't it be weird if yeah. this podcast broke some kind of massive conspiracy? <laughs> yeah. So, like I said, like I, I really don't know the answer because I don't believe we should start like taxing sugar or things like that because we need to be able to make our own decisions. I don't know. I worked well, on that one yeah. Simpson episode. The but, more that you yeah. say no, the more you. It's like telling a little child you're not allowed yeah. to do something, then that's all they want to do. Yeah. yeah. So. So by telling people that they can't eat this and shouldn't eat this, yeah. we're actually perpetuating the restrictive and binging cycle. So I call it the restrict binge cycle. And you can think of it as a cycle yeah. or you can think of it as a pendulum because this pendulum would be in the middle, would be stable and in balance. But when you pull it to one side with a lot of restriction, then it's going to bi- bounce back yeah. to the other side with overeating and binge eating. So it's That's less about my, the yeah. food and more about the behavior. That's one of my favorite cycles. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Happens to you're me very, all the time. I know it well. comfortable with it. <laughs> I know it very well. Yeah, so breaking the cycle is not um, restricting more food or removing yeah. more food. It's actually removing the restriction in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, it's very amazing. When I, I have a lot of clients that I start working with where at the beginning they're like, no, 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 but you can't trust me around this bag of cookies or this bag yeah. of chips. I'm like, well, let's see. Like if you had full unconditional permission to eat everything that you want how long is it going to take before you really just want a carrot or a yeah. cucumber you know like that would be a long thing for me I would be the ultimate me, test subject on that one you should right try there. it yeah. but yeah like for me it was I I loved gummy bears I, I mean oh, I loved gummy bears and I could eat like two full bags of gummies and I will like not stop but it was only because I thought that I couldn't eat them and I'm not allowed to eat them and after time when I as I healed my own relationship with food in my body a few years back um, and then I was like well I don't know like I don't always want gummies and I started realizing I don't like the ones that are too chewy and I don't like the ones that are too sweet and I don't like the really soft ones and so now I just buy my favorite gummies and I eat it there's something called intuitive eating and mindful eating that I can talk about forever but once you're kind of like in tune with your body's cues you are more likely to, to know at what point am I just not enjoying this food anymore right. so yeah. just not knowing kind of like those cues really changes everything for my clients so. yeah because I know I've been into the binge uh, cycles before where you know I'll dieting in the past I'll restrict myself from eating I'll be like no sugar I'm never touching sugar again in my entire life yeah. done forever <laughs> um, and then yeah. you know two weeks of that and I have a crap day at work, yes. really stressful. And I'm like, 
you know what, I'm just going to have a chocolate bar. I'm going to go to the convenience store. And next thing you know, I'm home eating 20 chocolate bars. Yeah. Because I just can't stop. And they were on sale. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, what buy, can I do? It was yeah. buy one, get yeah. 19 free. So you can't. Yeah. You can't. You can't say no to that. it's the store's fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, sure. that's marketing. Yeah. But I, I think that um, as much as I would love to blame uh, McDonald's or blame corporations for creating such delicious but horrible for you food. I think we now live in an, an age of information so much that I don't know if I can fully uh, believe that. Like, I know if I go to McDonald's every single day for lunch for a week, that's not healthy. And I know that. I know what I'm doing. Um, so I don't know if I can get mad at McDonald's for them enabling that. And yeah, I mean, you could definitely enjoy McDonald's when you want McDonald's. There was this one day where I was dying just for fries. I just wanted fries. Yeah. And I literally evaluated all my options. I'm like, do I want frozen fries? Do I want the ones that I make? Do I want the McDonald's one or A&W? And I really just wanted a McDonald's fries, medium size and salt. Like that's all. I knew exactly yeah. what I wanted. I didn't want too small because I knew I would want more. I didn't want too large because I knew I would get bored of the flavor. And I was like i just want this one thing and so i think it's very important to honor those cravings and realize that food is emotional like we have such mm-hmm. an emotional connection oh, really? with food. i never would have guessed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like we do have we do yeah. find comfort in food like yeah. you can think of a lot of times in your life where you found comfort eating food with someone you love or yeah. you celebrated something with food and there is an emotional connection to it and we don't need to remove that for us to be quote unquote healthy and so i think when it comes to honoring your feelings without food that's a different story because then we're we're thinking that the only way to cope and to feel okay is to eat and then shame ourselves and then start all over again and so yeah so then i think it's it's important to see okay i want the cinnamon bun or donut or bag of chips to feel good right now but if that's the only way that makes you feel if that's the only way you feel like you're coping that is the problem itself that you need more coping mechanisms it's kind of like when someone uses only alcohol or drugs for coping and then you you know like you it's not you can't compare food addiction to um alcohol and, and drug addiction but um i can speak to that too because i work with that population <laughs> um but it's not exactly the same um because you don't want to ab- you, you can't deal with food addictions or quote-unquote food addictions with abstinence but that's what you need to do with drug right. and alcohol addiction yeah. but the coping mechanism behind um alcohol and drug addictions is the same that they go to that because they feel like they can't cope with those feelings in any other way and so it's always driven by that. And I think it's that's where mental health is wow. just so huge. Yeah, it kills yeah. me that food is the one addiction you literally cannot give up. Yeah. Anything else, like you, you can quit smoking or drugs yeah. or booze. You, you have to eat at some point unless you're going to do intravenous your whole life. Yeah. I think that's sugar true. really is the worst white powder. Like, mm, yeah. So good. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, uh, so you, you were talking <laughs> about, you know, uh, we are living in the age of information and information is very powerful. Um, you know, it, and there's so much more that we can uh, explore and talk about. Um, but, you know, if uh, the classic question, if there's one piece of advice that mm. you would give to, um, you know, the very overarching step one, someone who's listening to this, like, uh, you know, like, like myself, who is wanting to break the, the cycles with food and to, to be healthier, to lose weight, all of these different questions that may or may not be right or wrong. What is the first thing you would tell that person? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I mean, when I am working with clients, the first thing that I tell them, I do have a blog on this. There's one that is called Five Steps to Love Yourself Today. If we Google and it, will we find it? Yes. Nutrifoodie.ca, y'all. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so on my Nutrifoodie website, you can go under the blog. You can read about fighting fat phobia and you can read about um, Five Steps to Love Yourself. Um, and for those on those um, uh, blogs, I do explain different ways to kind of approach it. But the first thing I think it's for you to understand where did your beliefs about yourself come from? And what are some things that you love about yourself or appreciate about yourself? Because you might never love your body the same way that you envisioned, but you definitely, your body definitely um, deserves the respect 
um, that you need to give it in order for you to live in this world. So starting with acceptance and respect is a better place than to just think from this like wishy-washy positiveness um, because sometimes we just might never feel that way but we just can't shame our bodies and punish it so thinking about you know which place are we starting from is usually the first spot I start with my clients is that I ask them about those internal thoughts and reflections that they have about themselves when they're just alone and what are some things that wow. you do appreciate about yourself because someone might be attracted to you just from your looks but that's not why they stick around right I hope not. Wow, this is <laughs> this is like something that we go through on the first day of like a new counseling session, a new counselor, uh, yeah. counselee. Um, yeah, very. Yes. Um, hmm. Now, do you think that it's good to, or I guess more, how how would you approach the mental health of of losing weight? Now, you can go get a personal trainer. Um, and that will help you with the physical part of it. But how do you address the mental health of it? Yeah, that's a very good uh, question. So, I mean, first I ask my clients, why do they want to lose weight? And a lot of times it's they want to be healthy, they want to be loved, they want to be accepted, they want to fit in certain clothes, that the clothes that they keep finding in the stores are not things that are flattering to them so we look at new stores if this is just about the clothes let's find a new store for you let's get you clothes that fit well that feel good um if it's about being active and physically active and being able to move more freely then we also work on that because there's even um like i've had clients where um they were declined knee surgeries um because of their weight and so then they were unable to walk and move comfortably but then with physiotherapy they were able to heal so it's not necessarily just about the weight always like there is a component about the weight and the weight may drop just by pursuing those behaviors so um mm. the mental component towards it would be as to the why you always want to understand the why and dig deep be that annoying kid that just keeps asking why but why <laughs> <laughs> and then that will get you your answer you just want to keep going down and breaking it down until you get to that yeah to that bottom yeah. and i think part of the problem too is that you when you when you do research on losing weight there's there's just canned answers and everyone's journey is so different i went i went through something different than neil went through growing up and there's a reason i'm at the size i'm at now and unpacking that is not just a simple oh go to the gym and eat better (laughs) like i know i know how to fix it it's just you know doing it is the hard part uh question for for the two of you if if do you feel comfortable saying this um, or sharing? Um, what is, uh, uh, for those listening who perhaps aren't um, as big of a person, what is one thing that you would share um, in your experience of being a larger person um, that, you would, that you would wish people who aren't large and who may look and judge us? Like, what, what would be one thing that you would want to to share from your own experience to maybe um, open up some minds or eyes about experience of being a larger person. Mm. I'm bigger than you, so keep your own business. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. That's, honestly, like I, like I said, I, I haven't had a lot of problems with people mocking me, but I have, I know a lot of people who have. Like I've met a lot of like women and shorter fat dudes who say that they have been made fun of and things like that. And I think the fact that I am like 6'3 and like a pretty much a giant kind of makes it people a little less likely to like poke the bear. Right. And I'm also a pretty diplomatic guy. I'm a funny guy. So maybe that's why I haven't had a lot of problems in that regard. And I'm lucky in that regard, I guess. But I don't know. I think so like I don't really have a good perspective on that. Like People treat me well. Like I've actually got. I'm gotten, glad. I'm very. Happy I've actually to hear gotten that. instances in bars and things like that where people are a little too nice. Right. Like let's keep let's stay on the giant's good side. Right. I think that might come into into play. So, I don't really have a good perspective on okay. that. Because yeah. I haven't really been treated badly. Like my issues with I'm weight. I'm very happy to hear that. That's my issues great. with weight are basically, uh, like, the problems, like the physical problems I mentioned before. As well as, I don't know, I'd like to look better too, quite frankly. Let's face it. When you're as big as me, you're not going to be as attractive. It's just the way it is. I'm sure I would get more action if I was 150 pounds lighter. But, like, I do okay. I'm not saying it's the right. end all be all. But it, it is a fact of life too, let's face it. Like, uh, so, yeah. 
And so, but the, as far as like the acceptance part, mm. I've never felt like that's a real problem for me. Yeah. That, thank you. Thank yeah. you for sharing. That's, I'm very happy to hear that. And yeah. I think for me, it's, uh, it's a hard thing to unpack a little bit because, right. um, for me, I think I've used my weight as kind of a way to gauge people. Um, shield yourself. Shield myself. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. When I did online dating, a large amount of it, I remember when I when I first got back into online dating um, after dating my ex, I I wanted to lose a whole bunch of weight, but I remember thinking, no, if I lose a bunch of weight, then people are going to be trying to get together with me because of the way I look and I want people to want to be with me for the way who I am. So in a way I kind of create a shield, um, a shield of fat around me. Um, but That's huge. That's a huge realization right there. Yeah. And, and in a way it, it really did work well for me because I met my fiance and, Aww. and she does love me for who I am. Aww. And I don't think That's I so can sweet. go through this, this process of me trying to, to lose weight. I don't think I could do it without her support. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that love and support. If she's listening, is if she's listening, <laughs> yeah. wow, that's if she's that's, in the recording uh, studio right know. now, you yeah. wouldn't know, but you know, yeah. just in case. Um, <laughs> thank, thank for sharing. I think it is definitely. I think no matter whether it's issues with with weight, with with um, drugs and alcohol, with any other types of addictions, mental health. Um, I think it's also very important to to um, be aware and be thankful for the support networks that we that we have um, 100%. I, yeah and I think it's really helped me as well create such a great friend circle because um, I know everybody likes me for who I am and they've never judged me for the size I am mm-hmm. um, which I really appreciate um, so I think that yeah and I think if I lost weight I would I would worry that I would not have that anymore i would not Mm. have that um that barrier between people and and not know if i can trust people if that makes any sense that's huge i actually felt very similar emotions when i used to when i was in the dating scene i've been with my husband now like uh, when we started dating six years ago um but before that i also felt like my body was my shield too Mm -hmm. and i found that with time it was more about like understanding myself and 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 uh, connecting with myself um was and understanding that trust that i had with myself and my body and how i presented myself in the world that changed everything i think yeah that changed a lot for me it took me like a year focusing on that to kind of really understand what role did my body play in who I've become and how I present myself in the world and so yeah what you're talking about is huge um, and I love that you're already in that space like uh, kind of getting that <laughs> deep get with that. your relationship yeah <laughs> so yeah your relationship with your body it sounds like it's a, it's a conversation that you're already started with yourself and that's definitely worth finishing for sure yeah it's great yeah I, I think a lot of it is the, the mental journey like I can I can go to the gym every day. I can cut back all the food I eat and I could just friggin' hate myself the entire time. Yeah. But eventually that you know, I'm I'm gonna be hating myself so much that I'm just gonna go back to wanting to love myself again. Yeah. And then attach food to that. Yeah. And then I'm gonna eat a crap load of food and then probably gain weight rather than lose weight. So it's yeah. it's getting over that mental hurdle to make it sustainable that is the thing and i'm not i am not the be all hey i'm doing great i'm talking from a week and a half experience of doing this i have been going to the gym (laughs) for a week and a half yes (laughs) baby steps baby steps i I went yesterday morning for my third time (laughs) yay but also that's how it starts right yeah yeah it's it's one step at a time time. and gyms are a massive trigger for me oh um i have a lot of i was bullied a lot around um organized sports yeah. uh, as well so gyms really attach uh that to it as well mm-hmm. um so just seeing really fit people around me working out and knowing what they're doing and i don't yeah. uh is really difficult for me i have to say i've worked with a lot of men at the addiction center because it's a men's facility a lot of men um that would go wanting to start this really healthy habit of exercising but then compare themselves to everybody yeah. that they're going with because they'll go with somebody who exercises a lot all the the time and then they start trying to do exactly the same i'm like you're not in the 
same space, yeah. you know, like that's not okay. You have to start from where you are at. I go to um, a different, like I go to an exercise clinic and have my own um, personal trainer and person that kind of constantly adjusts my exercises to be for, for me and for where I'm at. And that's the first time in my life where I can be consistent with it two, three times a week without having that trigger of, of gyms because they can be triggering for oh. all kinds of people. So you're not alone. Yeah. I guess the best thing that you can think about when you're in the gym is like literally every single person there is also self-conscious and nobody's like really cares about you yeah <laughs> they care about themselves more than anything else <laughs> podcasts have actually been really helpful for me yeah just because i it gets my brain onto something else so, so i'm not really paying attention to what's going on around me and then the other day i was there and another large dude was there and i was like yeah <laughs> we're in it together yeah, i didn't talk to you at all but yeah. we're in it together yeah i gotta admit i think i might have a bit of a blessing in the regard of the fact that I don't really care enough about what people think of me so much. Like, if someone were to judge me for being big, I think I, my first inclination would be to be F you. Hmm. Like, screw you. Like, what the hell do I care what you think? I don't know you. So, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not a gym guy, but, like, I try to walk more and things like that. But the, the thing is, yeah, I just, I don't really have a problem with, like, feeling judged. And if I was, it's like, oh, so what? It's this guy... Why does this guy bother me? Uh, in that regard, I do I do feel like I'm kind of blessed. Right. Yeah. It's a hard thing yeah. to, to not worry about that. And I try not yeah. to worry about it, too. Um, I think society in general, you see so many people on TV. And, like, I, so I was watching this, uh, this Tamfran uh yeah. show this yes. fashion yeah, yeah. uh show All in, yeah next fashion or next next in yeah. fashion next that's in fashion, what it's called yeah. um because i love just crap reality tv yeah and is there uh, any other kind yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> no there isn't except survivor yeah. that's great i hate no. reality tv i'm not judging no do your thing <laughs> yeah. but in it um there was uh one of the competitions or one of the challenges they had like a bathing suit part and they had a bunch of plus size models which was amazing yes but they had plus size models for the women. Yeah. Uh, and then they had regular models for the men. So seeing that I'm not represented in anything. Yes. Ever. Oh, can we talk about media for a second? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's huge. And so I think, um, uh, Jeff, you would love watching this documentary called The Illusionists. And oh, okay. I'm not paid by them, but it should pay me because I love it. They're sponsor um, now. <laughs> now they should sponsor us. Please sponsor us. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's an awesome, awesome documentary that shows how media across the entire world globally perpetuates certain uh, views, whether it's white skin and then people in India trying to bleach their skin or right. um, like you know certain looks like all kinds of like looks in the whole world that are just all they're doing is introducing um, insecurities for our body and for what we see and so if you want to think for as young as you were you probably would notice since you were a very young child that those messages were so when we were talking about um uh, like uh, not individual responsibility for me when we're thinking of not an individual responsibility is how the whole world is responding to just image because you would see in the entire world the same kind of consistent messaging all around um, uh, for for negative body image but it's not necessarily just the weight but it's also like your skin and your eyelashes and yeah. your um, body hair and your hair on your head and the color of this and the color of that for disabilities so, as well all kinds of disabilities and abilities yeah Yes. Um, so all kinds of things are not represented in the media. And I think that that's very problematic. They're starting to change a little bit. Um, they're starting to have better messaging. But there's a lot of messages that are also co-opted um, by companies that just want to jump on the bandwagon and just say we're body positive, but not really being body positive. Um, it's like this whole uproar that people had because they saw a mannequin wearing um plus size, plus size as in like size 14, which is the average size in North America. <laughs> um, but, but being plus size um, mannequin for exercise clothes and people were so mad that that was in the store. I'm like, but that's, first of all, that's an average size. Second of all, people, if you want people in bigger sizes to also go exercise, they also need clothes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, right. like, and well, by not seeing yourself. Really here. Um, yeah. I've actually seen kind of the opposite. Like, I understand what you're saying. I think that we can represent, like, like plus size. Well, you see women that are plus size. I'm using air quotes here. And they're normal-looking women. And they're really yeah. good-looking. Okay. On the other hand, I've also seen billboards taken down because they have, like, a good-looking woman. Like, 
what's what, the problem what with that? Mean, are we like I've literally seen like in in Britain they 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 had like are you beach body ready and they had this good looking woman. And everyone had an uproar, like, oh, you're shaming me. No, come on. You're allowed to have good-looking people, something what? to aspire to. And, like, Victoria's Secret doesn't need to have fat people on the runway. Like, that's an ideal. That's not the norm. That's, like, the perfect body. I don't but think there's a problem. We don't it's need representation to have... as well, right? Yeah, I get that. But we don't need to, like, go too far here. Like, looks aren't everything. Like, I don't base my self-esteem on my looks. And there are better-looking people than me. We can have supermodels and things like that and, like, exemplary, like, they're, they're basically freaks of nature, okay? Not everyone's going to look like that. We don't need to have Victoria's what, Secret having fat people on the runway but, to, to include everyone. I don't think that's But that's what the all the kids are seeing yeah. and that's what they're mm-hmm. aspiring to on a very yeah. young age. So we actually have, um, between ages of 15 to 24, mm-hmm. 80% of girls of those ages believe they need to weigh less. At mm-hmm. 80% of girls, at school age girls, are mm-hmm. believing that they need to lose weight at a very young age. Like there's so many eating disorders and there's more eating disorders, a risk of mm-hmm. eating disorders than there is for diabetes. So when we're perpetuating just a small size from mm-hmm. a very young age and girls want to look at these magazines and they look at these shows and that's mm. all they see but then let's say they just have hips and it's mm-hmm. just a latina family and mm-hmm. they just have uh, that genetically and they never feel like they're yeah. represented in the media and that's a problem so it is it is something that perpetuates it and you're so lucky that you don't experience that but it mm-hmm. is very prevalent that mm-hmm. um people do see that and they it's just contributing to negative negative mental health and making things much worse for people growing up so when we see that majority of 10 year olds think that they need to lose weight that's a problem and when we know Mm -hmm. that there's 970 times more likelihood for a kid to develop an eating disorder than diabetes but we only talk about diabetes when their eating disorders is are... Is that true? It's very true, yeah. I thought diabetes is a pretty can, big problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what media is right. telling you. Okay. So I can send you that research. But yeah, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of messaging that we just hear and perpetuate that it, that is actually causing more harm. And by only calling, like by only seeing those bodies represented in the media, even just like um, not different types of races and different types of body abilities and um, tall or short, that everybody has to be a certain size and a certain look. And so that is problematic for sure. So mm-hmm. it is something that's problematic. And for beach body ready, everybody is beach body ready. All you need is a swimsuit. And mm-hmm. some places you don't even need that i'm just saying yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but Black yeah beach. being beach body ready mm-hmm. is like that's that's the problematic messaging in my opinion mm-hmm. is that we're telling people that they need to have a certain body to deserve to go yeah. to the beach or the pool okay so i understand that but isn't it make sense that like we can accept who we are but we can also see that there's like a, a like an ideal like I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure how I can iterate this. Like, I don't think it's a like. If you have a, somebody who's got a really, really good-looking person, um, you don't have to say. But you like, have I to think be like I'm that. really good-looking. Yeah. 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 But I'm okay. not represented in the I, media. But you don't have to necessarily be like. You have to be like that. But mm. it's not a problem to have that person there. Like, you're not shaming anyone. Yeah. I, I think. I think it's it's creating a a standard that is unhealthy for people to so for example Mm -hmm. i think i'm attractive Mm -hmm. um but media is telling me Mm -hmm. i'm not attractive because Mm -hmm. i'm overweight so so creating that that narrative is is problematic and i think that's the Mm -hmm. main thing uh we're actually gonna have to wrap it up because we are running out of time and i can what a great conversation i know i know it sucks to have to cut it short but (laughs) we we only got so much time in the studio it's a heavy topic yeah Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had to throw one joke. There's a in lot there. of wait for wait. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now uh, uh, the the thing I wanted to to bring this to wrap up towards a close is that um uh, I really like the the um the phrase that you use, which is start where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so wherever we are in our individual journeys, whatever experiences that we've had that have brought us um, to where we are in our life now, um, I think that it's I think that it, it is important to. Um, to realize that that journey is is ongoing and it's ever changing yeah, and totally. any um, for myself 
anytime that I uh, am weak and eat of uh, uh, an entire bag of glossettes um, from the bulk bin because it's so good. <laughs> and it's all... have bags. I don't think you're right there. I know about food, dude. <laughs> no, just kidding. It's fine. I'm going to call um, you on it. It's all good. Uh, I think that it's, a, it's a, <coughs> important to realize that um, uh, every step that we take mm-hmm. is, is another step closer to where we need to be for ourselves. Yeah. And I think that whatever we need for ourselves is awesome. And whatever else anyone else needs for their journey – we damn better sure be willing and able to help them get there too. Yeah. And respect I think that's it. it. Yeah. I think it's very important yeah. to respect it. Um, yeah. So yeah, so as long as, uh, uh, um, you know, I think so many of our topics uh, just end up being, um, you know, uh, what do we need and what can we do to help other people with what they need? That's yeah. what yeah. we got to do. It's beautiful way of wrapping it up there. Oh man! Um, wow, I, we uh, perhaps what perhaps one day in the future we can do a part two because I think yeah, there's definitely I kind of think we need to yeah yeah for yeah um, for sure now uh, uh, for our listeners who um, who can't get enough and want to binge more about what you do I'm trying here um, where can they <laughs> learn more about you and um, and your work. Yes, awesome. Thanks for asking for that. Um, so uh, you can follow me on Instagram. Nutrifoodie underscore org is my handle. You'll see a lot of tips and inspirational quotes and um, informational as well as educational information that I share on there. Um, and I also work with clients on one-on-one and group coaching program. My group <laughs> coaching program, the next cohort is actually starting in March for women. It's a women-only program for eight weeks. And so that information is now on the web site and uh, you can check out all that information at nutrifoodie.ca or follow me on instagram nutrifoodie underscore org thank you thank you and over here if we're looking for some hilarious comedy where can we go well i have a couple shows coming up but it sounds like they they will happen before this comes out (laughs) Uh, like i got a show next week but uh, that's in mid-february so uh just uh, keep a look on the vancouver comedy scene for neil melrose uh, i do have some pretty world-class fat jokes i'd like to think if i do say so myself uh, other than that yeah uh you can uh, follow me on twitter if you want metal melrose at uh on awesome. twitter there and thank other than you. that uh, yeah uh, just keep an eye open if you want to thank you t- support the comedy scene it's always good they've got a great scene in vancouver mm-hmm. um uh, jeff uh uh, thank you for for uh, bringing us together and and allowing us to chat about this for our listeners because I yeah. think definitely um, I love the the variety of perspectives I love the variety of experiences and I'm definitely thinking more about where I am in my journey and mm-hmm. hopefully one of our listeners uh, any of our listeners if they do the same then maybe we have done a little bit of good deed for for the podcast world yeah um where can they find us jeff uh we are at science fears on instagram twitter facebook uh and then i was gonna say you can find us at thefearscience.com but if you're listing this you probably already know that (laughs) (laughs) Um, and uh uh, most of all uh, please stay tuned because we have uh lots of other fun and interesting and uh, uh absolutely various topics that we will be talking about in our future episodes so please stay tuned and as always thanks so much for supporting fair science we'll chat again soon thank you thank you thanks